Well, hey, good morning. Good to, good to see you. Glad you're here today. Today we start a new series, uh, and you see some of the pictures already, some of the pictures we took on a trip that we just got back from about a week ago from uh, Israel and Palestine and Jordan. And uh, we'll be talking through uh, those places and the events of those places, the scriptures of those places in the next several weeks together uh, with the goal of helping the scriptures come alive in a different way. And some of us went in person to see those places and um, as, uh, to do that as a part of our own faith journey. Uh, and so today we're going to share, some of us who went are going to share about that trip, myself and a couple, couple three others. Um, but uh, I kind of wanted to uh, give us some context before we do that because we've all kind of uh, had someone in our life go on a trip. And then they come back and they like put us in a room and like lock the doors and show us all of their pictures. And we're like, we're so glad you had a good trip. And they're inside jokes and all that. Uh, so we're going to try not to do that today. Uh, instead, what I hope to do is to give uh, what you're about to hear some context. Uh, so uh, some of us, about 23 of us, went on a trip to Israel and um, uh, we did that as uh, the, the word they use is pilgrimage. And I, I mean, if I'm honest, as I heard that kind of as you're going through the literature, it's like, okay, yada, yada, yada. But truthfully, that's, that's what it is intended to be uh, and what it was. Uh, as, again, as a part of our own journey of faith, our own spiritual walk. And so the scripture I want to read is a call to discipleship. It is the call of Jesus uh, to the disciples. And I hope you'll hear it as that, uh, as, as, um, as, we read today, and then recognize that pretty much every place that you hear in this scripture will be something that we talk about and we'll try to give some life to. So as we hear the word of scripture this morning, we listen for the living word of God, Jesus Christ. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon and Peter, Simon Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. Going from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father Zebedee preparing their nets. Jesus called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. Jesus went throughout the Galilee area, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness among the people. News about him spread all over Syria, and people brought to him all who were ill with various diseases, those suffering severe pain, the demon-possessed, those having seizures, and the paralyzed, and he healed them. Large crowds from Galilee, the Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and the region across the Jordan followed him. Let's pray together. God, as we talk about the people and the places of Scripture today, would you help the places and the people and your grace in all of it to come alive for us? And would you give us some sense of what it means to walk where Jesus walked in our own lives and in the week ahead as you call us to follow him and to be living reminders of him wherever we are? And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. So uh, a couple of folks are going to come share in a moment, but I want to give some context to some things you'll hear today. So about 18 months ago, uh, I uh, started planning a trip to the Holy Land. And um, quite honestly, it's like one of the things that I felt like I should do. I didn't know if the timing was great. And I 
of course, I picked the perfect time to go. Um, my mom and dad went in 1994, and then uh, about 10 years ago, uh, there's a, a, another pastor in the Kentucky Conference, Tom Smith, who kind of goes on these trips all the time and kind of keeps, you know, kind of hounding me to go. And I was like, yeah, 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 yada, 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 yada. So um, eventually I felt like, okay, now's the time. And again, perfect timing. Uh, relented in a sense. Uh, and I feel I want to be honest about that because I felt like uh, Israel is kind of a place I wanted to go to, but I have a lot of places that I want to go to. So it, it was a personal thing, but maybe more professionally felt like, goodness, I've talked about these places and I've imagined them so much in my life, but I really don't know the place. And it seems like it might make a difference to go. And I really kind of undersold that if I'm honest, but uh, that is exactly what happened. Having a sense of those places really has transformed my, just the images in my head of, of the, the, the places that we talk about in scripture. And I really do hope that you have that ability at some point too. Uh, I would not suggest that you go now uh, to, to gain that experience, but it, it was uh, pretty helpful. So uh, we put a trip together, put out the information, eventually 23 people we're able to go on the trip, and we have start to see some pictures here of the uh, of that. So that's us in the Tel Aviv airport. Uh, all of them are from Broadway or family members of people from Broadway. Um, a couple staff members, Pastor Lara uh, and myself, Pastor Lara's mom and dad, Sam and Kathy Sparks, who are now celebrities in Muhlenberg County. They've been on the front page of the paper. Kathy says that she really wants to go again, and Sam has, uh, has said that he's about to burn his passport. So uh, mixed reviews on her experience there. Uh, in all, I think most of us had a really good time. And then I went with my family, my wife, uh, my daughter, uh, Sarah Grace, uh, my wife, Jenny, and um, you see some, some of the landscape there behind us. I was most excited about showing you my pictures on this screen because you can see all the things. And then the next picture has my mom in it on the far, on your far left, and then myself, and then our guide, Rula, in the middle, and then Sarah Grace and Jenny again. And then uh, I think a, a final picture, uh, there's just a breathtaking picture of some of the landscape there. Uh, the next picture you'll see is a map of Israel, and I want to just give you some context. Israel's the size of New Jersey, which is about one-fifth the size of Kentucky, so it's not a very big place. Uh, one of the things that, you know, some things happened over there, and one of, one of their sense of proximity is a little different than ours, where Americans, things spread out, so they would say, it's not very close, and we would say, how, how close are we talking? Oh, oh it's, a, it's an hour and a half away. That's not like, like, that's Louisville. It's not that, not, not that far. But so down at the bottom, you see Egypt. And then as you go up, that's Israel on the Mediterranean Sea. And Gaza is just right at the edge of Egypt. Uh, and, and at the bottom, uh, you know, that part of Israel on the Mediterranean. And then it goes down into the desert here at the bottom. And then if you go um, in the middle section, you see where it says West Bank. Uh, that's Palestine. And you see Bethlehem is in the West Bank, is part of Palestine. You see Jerusalem is not, and there's a wall all around that. So they call that different things depending on which side of the wall you're on. If you are on the Israeli side, they call it a security wall. And if you're in Palestine, they call it a separation wall. And we uh, went back and forth across that. And then, uh, so we began our time in Bethlehem there in the middle, and then spent three days there. And um, that was uh, where, we, where we started and then went to, uh, to Tiberias, which you see up at the top. There's, it says Lake Tiberias, which is right on the, the edge of the Golan Heights, which is occupied territory. And uh, we were in uh, the other side of the lake looking at that. And we're there for three days. And that's where uh, we were there when things started to, to go south. And then the Jordan River runs all alongside, all along below the, the Sea of Tiberias down to the Dead Sea, which we went to. And so you see Lebanon at the top, Syria, and then the whole Jordan River 
uh, border and then south is um, the country of Jordan. Uh, so, um, so we oh, got the wrong page. That's why it doesn't make sense. We uh, were we flew into Tel Aviv, uh, which is an inter the international airport, airport, and then we were not able to fly out of there. We had to get different arrangements. Uh, but we were in Bethlehem from Tuesday until Friday. So I've got some pictures of Bethlehem from our hotel room. Everything's made out of limestone because that's what, that's what they have. That's their main building material. It's a beautiful place. Um, and uh, there's Bethlehem at night, again, from our hotel room. Then we were able the first day to go to the Jordan River and uh, remember our baptism in the place where Jesus was, was baptized, uh, or roughly so. You see it's not very big. We're, we're out in the water. They said, don't go all the way across. This is an international boundary, and that will come up later in our story. Uh, it's not a huge place, uh, and, but we were able to uh, spend some time there and remember our baptism and just really tour around the whole area for three days. And then the plan was to go, as we did, to the Sea of Galilee. So we went north to the, the Galilee area in Tiberias, which was a Roman city. And that is the view from the top of our hotel room uh, of, the, of the area. Again, one of the most beautiful places on the earth. And it's a lot of geographical variation in the area. This is part of the, the Rift Valley all the way down to Africa uh, is a, a, a fault uh, area. So the Dead Sea is the lowest place on Earth. And so it is an active um, earthquake area and very interesting, very interesting geography. The next picture is across the Sea of Galilee. As I mentioned, a beautiful place. That is the sun rising over the Golan Heights. So uh, again, when we say, well, we're, were we close to things? Uh, occupied territory is a little, uh, you know, a little bit, a question of where things might happen. You could see that from where we were as things broke out, uh, the, as violence broke out on Saturday morning. And then uh, I think there's a final picture maybe of um, the place where Jesus uh, traditionally uh, gave us the, the Sermon on the Mount. One of the surprises for me is how close that was to the Sea of Galilee, that that area provides the acoustics for that. It's an absolutely beautiful place, stunningly beautiful and very peaceful, not very windy that day. And that uh, at the end of um, that, that tour, uh, my guide pulled me aside and said, there's been some activity in the south of the country, and we're going to watch that. Fortunately, you all were asleep at that time, so you weren't watching the news and texting us, but that ended pretty quickly. Somebody got up in the middle of the night and, and saw things and texted Pastor Laura, and she came to me, and then we felt like it was time to tell the group and we were going to watch things. And our guide, Rula, was a tremendous help all the way through, and that um, became part of our story as well. As things played out, it, that dynamic uh, continued. Um, Israel's eight hours ahead of here. And so we would get up in the morning and you guys would still be up and you'd be kind of texting us and asking us questions and encouraging us. And then you all went to bed and we got a little bit of a break. <laughs> and, uh, and then you got up again and uh, started asking us questions at, at night. And that was, I mean, I joke about it, the encouragement, uh, the, the concern, the prayers uh, that you all gave us, uh, we, we felt that. Uh, it's kind of strange to say, but in some ways it was more anxious for you than it was for us because we had things we could do. And our mo main challenge, of course, was safety, but also logistics. So what should we do and when should we do it and where should we go? 
Safety was a concern. I feel, feel like it's important. I don't want anybody to think we were flippant about that, though we did make decisions and ended up touring some and, and uh, were able to do some things that we hadn't planned and not able to do some things that we had. But we did things like register with the, the embassy, U.S. Embassy there, so they could track our movements. We have someone in our church who works for one of our senators, and I was able to stay in cell phone, text conversation, contact, and uh, ongoing updates. Everything we did, they knew about. Uh, and um, we worked with our company, edu uh, Educational Opportunities, or EO, which is the largest and most experienced travel company in the area. And uh, they gave us good guidance. And our guide, Rula, has been, uh, she's, she was born in Jerusalem. She is from there. She has been a guide for 26 years. Not only does she know pretty much everything about every place, she also knows everyone. So we would go someplace and everybody would say, oh, Rula, she just knows everyone. And they're all in her cell phone. So it's like uh, on the ground, minute by minute network. What you were seeing on the news uh, with you know, whatever news outlet, we were getting kind of on the ground from the people. And that was tremendously helpful as we made decisions. And uh, so uh, the plan was to go to Jerusalem, and, and we decided and kind of had a group meeting after things happened and decided to do that. And we traveled through Nazareth on the way there. So you see a picture of uh, some of the artwork of uh, the Church of the Annunciation, where um, Mary's house was. Um, and then uh, we traveled to Jerusalem. Uh, while we were on, on the way, there were reports of some rockets being fired into central Israel. The guide, our guide, Rula, said, don't worry, it's far away. And I remember what I told you about distance. And she said, it's, it's no problem. There have been a, two rockets. They've fallen in open areas away from Jerusalem. And I looked out the windows of our bus and thought that was a perfect description of where we were exactly in that moment. And that was probably those 24 hours or a little bit more were probably the tensest time. I don't know that I was scared. We didn't see anything uh, that had happened, but certainly, certainly concerned and anxious. We went to Jerusalem and we're supposed, uh, supposed to be three days there and we ended up being there less than a day. Uh, but we were able to go to the Garden of Gethsemane and I think I've got a, a picture of that. Those olive trees, uh, eight of which are over 2,000 years old, meaning they were the exact trees that Jesus was under when uh, he prayed in the garden there. One of the places where you feel like you literally are walking where you, you know you are, walking where Jesus walked. And then we were able to, I'll show you a picture later of, of the, the, the Mount of Olives view over Jerusalem. And as we were doing that, uh, I looked over and there was another crew there, only they had a microphone and a camera. And I realized that they're microphone had the letter CNN on it. And it's sort of like when the weather channel shows up in your neighborhood, you're thinking, hmm, maybe not what we want. And as we went back to the hotel, uh, we were getting off the bus and the air raid sirens in Jerusalem went off. And so we and about 200 of our international friends in the hotel kind of made our way quickly to a bomb shelter in the hotel, and the, that lasted maybe 10 minutes, 15 minutes, certainly the tensest time. And that was that. That was that. I mean, of course, there was concern, but the, the air raid siren thing only happened once. We thought that might be our, our experience in Jerusalem the whole time, and it was not. It was uh, over pretty quickly. Uh, we were processing with the, the, gr the group about that, and I told them, you know, it's sort of like a tornado siren. It's the same kind of siren, same noise. Uh, and just because there's a siren doesn't mean the tornado's going to hit you. And Jenny leans over and goes, yeah, but one did. 
So I don't want to downplay the emotional kind of roller coaster of that. When you flee into a bomb shelter with your mom and your wife and your daughter, that's going to affect you. The biggest uh, challenge was the logistical one and getting everybody home safe and staying in constant contact with everybody, just working that process until we got home. Uh, but on Tuesday, after we got back, I, um, I woke up uh, after a nap and it was the, the news was on and Chris Allen was doing the weather. And I, I, I w this is about four days after we came home and I couldn't figure out why Chris Allen was doing the weather in Israel. I was so confused. So, you know, they just, it's taken a little time uh, to process and uh, to adjust. Another thing around safety, this is another Israel map. When we were there, they, uh, one of the foreign agencies put this out of where to go and where not to go. And so you can kind of get a sense of that very quickly. You see Gaza there in the south in red, and then uh, the Lebanon, Syria area also where there was some border stuff going on. And we were in the middle of those places. And then you see two orange spots where a little more caution areas, which would have been places we could have traveled through but didn't. Uh, to avoid uh, gathering where, where there might be gathering of crowds. That was the other concern. Would there be some kind of protest? So uh, we, uh, the next day after we went to Jerusalem, the next morning we got up really early and we crossed the border in Jordan. So uh, we had to go back up toward the, the, the Sea of Galilee. And then the next picture shows you what that looked like. Some buses gathered. Those are like the six in front of us. And then there were 20 or so buses behind us. So it took us an hour and a half or I don't know. It took us 13 hours total, five of which at the border itself. And then you see the next picture of the the river that I mentioned earlier, that little boundary that is not much more than a creek is the international boundary. The, safe, the, 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 the question of safety, whether we are safe or not, as we went into Jordan, was that ditch. Just sort of irony. Uh, irony. And then the other ironic thing is that, you know, of course, God's people traveled into the, from, the, from Jordan into the promised land, and we were going into the promised land backwards, so to speak. But we felt much safer after we got there. And then you see one picture of us at the border, just kind of doing the processing out in the heat, trying to find shade. We sat in the shade for a good while and then gathering all of our stuff and having it scanned. It was pretty chaotic. We got through and it was many hours in and there was no food. So we found some chips at a, at a place and ate and turned our bus into the party bus just to try to set a mood. Uh, we were in Amman, Jordan, which is a city of four, four and a half million people at a five-star hotel that night. So we are not exactly refugees. Just a, a point. I might, we get a small sense of what that must be like, but a very small sense. So people were concerned about where we were staying and what we were eating. Uh, my book will be called Stress Eating Our Way Through the Buffets of the Middle East. <laughs> we did just fine. I'm starting Whole30 tomorrow, so and that's not a lie. Uh, we got to see some things that we didn't expect to see. Two people had signed up to go to Petra, and the extension was canceled because there wasn't enough, um, uh, weren't enough people to go. And now you'll see it here. We were able to go there, and uh, it was one of the most beautiful places on the planet, one of the seven wonders of the, the world, and uh, worth seeing. You see, go ahead, yeah, some of the what they carved into the sandstone there. Uh, and this last one, which is um, something you might recognize from Indiana Jones in the Last Crusade. Uh, so we were there in, in Jordan for two or three days, and then uh, you see this last picture of Amman, which is a very modern city. And uh, oh, actually, went before that we went to Mount Nebo. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, we went to Mount Nebo, the place where Moses looked out onto the Promised Land, 
before he could go, before they went in and he was not able. And you see the next picture uh, of that as well. You see the whole region on a clear day. You can see Jerusalem and Jericho and everything from there. And then that's our people looking out onto the promised land. Then that last picture is the one of, of Amman. Uh, and we were in uh, the tower that was bigger than that one. So our tower was 50 stories. And the elevators were so modern that they made your ears pop because they went up and down so fast. And the, the waiters uh, were in, you know, suits and ties and uh, the food was very nice. So it's hard to, you know, it gives you a context of kind of the, some of the extremes that we experienced. Okay, I'm going to invite uh, some folks forward. Heather and Richard Appling, who are, uh, oh, Richard, just Richard, not Heather. Okay, and um, Angie Doss to come forward. And uh, we've asked them to share about their experience briefly. And what we invited them to do, uh, which was a very hard thing to do, was to pick three pictures uh, and explain why that was significant to them. Yeah, just come on up and have, have a seat here. And Martha, thank you for um, helping us. We're going to give them a chance just to share uh, briefly about their experience and just to hear it from their eyes so that you can get a sense of what it might be like for you to be there. And um, so the three-picture thing is challenging. We're going to work with that uh, because uh, what we're processing as a group is, of course, uh, the pilgrimage part of just going to the Holy Land and the spiritual journey of that, but also then some of the events that happened. And you'll hear us uh, kind of process that. And what I hope you will hear is that it all ends up being a part of the same thing. This is the real world that we live in. It's the world of Jesus, but it's also the, God's world now. And somehow, in a strange way, the events that happened in, in, a, in a strange way helped us, uh, maybe, maybe not a surprising way, helped us enter that story. And what we're reflecting on, want to reflect on with you all as well, is what do you do with that uh, having entered the story, which is what we're all doing. All right, so thank you all. Let's give them a round of applause for sharing. Public speaking is everybody's least favorite thing. And so, um, so Angie, you're going to... So I had to narrow it down from about 21 pictures that I sent. There's 22, but who's counting? 22. Yeah. Yeah, and it's very hard. Yeah, it's very hard. It is hard because I, you know, I wanted to paint a picture of what it was that we experienced. But I think, um, you know, there were many beautiful sights, and you saw some of that from Adam's presentation. Um, but I was drawn to the entire trip the things that weren't as beautiful, um, particularly in Bethlehem. So I chose to talk more about our time there. Yeah. The first part of our trip was in Bethlehem. Um, we spent three days there, and I think when you think of going to Israel you don't think in terms of, I never think about Palestine. I think mm -hmm. of that as a, I thought of that as like a separate place. Maybe it's like on the periphery. Um, and we spent literally three days in Palestine, um, the Palestinian area. Um, and it's evident when you get to Bethlehem. Yeah. It, is, it is not pristine. It is not super well kept it is you get the feeling that you are in an occupied territory it's surrounded by a wall and um the entire time there and actually our entire trip there was sort of this um juxtaposition of of brokenness and occupation with with hope and so for bethlehem um this is a picture of the cave at Shepherd's Field. Now around that, so that morning, um, it was beautiful, it was a sunny day, and we had gone up the hill, I mean, Bethlehem is super hilly, the it's whole place hilly. is very yeah. hilly. Um, but we, you know, we first went to this, this super beautiful um, chapel where we saw 
um, a commemoration of the angels appearing to the shepherds, calling to them that a savior was born and that it was going to change the whole world. And it was really, truly beautiful. And I didn't include that picture, even though it was beautiful, because after that, we went into this cave. And um, it kind of brought to me the reality of there are so many beautiful things, but Jesus, the, you know, the God of the universe, when he decided to come down as a human being and, and um, enter into our world and be one of us, he chose to be born in a gross, dark cave where animals were kept. And he also chose um, for the first, pe first people to come and worship him, he chose shepherds, which uh, I don't know if many of you know about this. Um, I'm told I need to watch the episode of The Chosen about this. But um, So shepherds were um, a, a people that were respected, but they were not able to, they were respected for the fundamental work that they did, but they were not able to worship at the temple. They were kind of a permanently unclean people because of the work that they did. And they were definitely not going to be on your VIP list of people that you um, would want to be seen with or worshiped by. And the God of the universe um, coming into our world um, sets the tone for what his kingdom looks like. And it looks like people that are not um, favored by the world or even led into hit the religious presence. They are the people that he was pleased to, to call into himself and worship him. So I wanted to show that, that cave. Um, the second picture is, um, okay, so again, there's very beautiful things. You, could, you can look up on Google the Church of the Nativity. It is a, a beautiful church. It's the oldest church in the Middle East. Um, it was built um, in the fourth century, so in the 300s, so it's super old. And um, it was a really neat place. But the reason I chose this shot, which is a little chaotic looking, um, I wanted you to see all the people gathered here. Um, a couple things. So, so this church um, is a home to, to four different, it's shared by four different um, kind of groups of Christians, um, the Coptics, the Eastern Orthodox, Catholics, and the Armenian Apostolics. The point is they share this space and they work together as a community. So it's a, it's a uniting factor for Palestinian Christians in that area, um, but also, in this picture, you'll see that there are people from literally all over the world. When we were waiting an hour to go down into the crypt and see the place where traditionally Jesus was born, we, we waited with a group, um, I think they were from India, and there were people literally speaking. You could hear languages being spoken from all over the world. And so um, at one point while we were waiting, a, an Eastern Orthodox service began, and you know all was quiet. We all kind of crept to the edges. And, you know, we saw as the priest was behind kind of their, their version of a veil, you know, doing his, the sacraments. And then he came out and he's, you know, swinging incense and clearing mm -hmm. the space and all was quiet. And it was just kind of a magical feeling of being there with Christians from everywhere, from all walks of life and different understandings um, and people from all over, all over the world. Um, and we got to go down into the crypt, and it was another cave-like experience. So that first cave, keeping that in your mind, um, that crypt, um, that cave is where traditionally Jesus was born. That was the cave where Mary would have given birth um, to our Savior. And there was an altar there, a simple altar, where you could 
just reverently, you know, light a candle or, or touch, and, and how neat. And even if it's not the exact, you know, square footage of where Christ um, was born, it's certainly within, you know, close. it's it's super <laughs> close, and he was there. And it was, it was almost a surreal feeling to be able to be on the same ground that he was on when he entered our world. Um, so uh, the next picture is, okay, so <laughs> that's me and my dad. My dad and I um, went on this trip with the group. And this has been his life. It's been his lifelong dream to, to visit the land of Israel um, as a lifelong follower of Christ. But with us is a, a gentleman named George. Um, who opened up his home to us and allowed us to eat dinner with his family. Um, we went into his home, which is a typical Palestinian home, and he asked us, he said, please, ask me whatever question that you like. Uh, you know, no question is off limits. I want you to have an understanding of what it is like for Palestinian Christians, and I want you to bring that home with you to your church people, and so you'll know how to pray for us Pray that we will be strong. Pray that we will be a light. And he said, um, he, he allowed us to ask him about the trash in the streets and the graffiti and, and the buildings that looked so depressing. There were empty shells. And we talked about a lot of things. Um, but the overwhelming feeling that, I, that we came away from is just, wow, we have been in the presence of greatness because he, um, he was such a generous brother in Christ, opening up his home to us. And when he spoke to us, um, I mean, it was just his language was dripping with the Lord mm -hmm. is the only way that I can describe yeah. it. The yeah, not, atmosphere. Not, not bitterness and no. not anger. Yeah. No. And he talked about, you know, ways that he united with his, you know, his Muslim neighbors, you know, that the sense of community that they have in working together, um, his sense of calling, um, being a light where he is. Um, and so we, you know, we were kind of, um, I don't know, that was kind of the, the beginning of kind of identifying, okay, there are some real real things here. He took, he dropped us off. Where this picture is, is a museum called the Walled Off Museum, which may sound like another place. Mm -hmm. I don't know, like the Waldorf Museum, uh, Walled Off Hotel, the Walled, Walled Off Hotel. I'm sorry, I'm stumbling over my words here. Um, so the Walled Off Hotel has a museum. I'm sorry. It's called the Waldorf Hotel on purpose. It's a play on words because it is an immersive Palestinian experience. And um, basically, there's a handful of rooms that you can stay in. You can pay to stay in this place. It's clean, um, but it is, it's concrete walls, and they boast the worst view. Um, instead of a room with the best view, they boast the worst views. So you can pay for that. Um, but what was cool about that experience is there's a, an exhibit, a six-room exhibit, uh, that gave us a history of the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. And this is not a political talk, I promise. Um, but just to give us kind of an understanding of what um, the people there were feeling that we were um, interacting with, there's a sense that sort of people are in an occupied territory. They feel like they're in an occupied nation. Um, and then there are also Palestinian art exhibits. Um, and kind of going back to, to what I was talking about earlier with the, the, the birth of Christ and, and why he chose where he chose, um, you know, Christ was born in an occupied land. And he was born in a time of much political unrest to a very contentious people. There was a lot of upheaval. There was no guarantee of security. And um, I'm going to show you two Palestinian artworks, and I'm not going to talk over them, but just, just for a moment, just for like 10 seconds, and then I'll pass this, this off to Richard. Um, 
the, the first one is um, in Matthew 10, Jesus sends off his disciples and he says, I'm sh- sending you off as sheep among wolves. And in another part, he talks about in this world, you're going to have trouble, but take heart because I've overcome the world. And that, when I saw that, that picture, it was so arresting because that's the sense I got in Bethlehem and in the Holy Land in general, that, that there are sheep among wolves. And you can define the wolves however you want, but, but there's this sense of like God sending us out, knowing that there's going to be trouble and that our call as Christians is not to escape and have the most comfortable, perfect life but that we're here for a purpose in the mess of this world, just as our Savior came down at a time that was super messy in the mess of this world. Um, So anyway, and then the next one is simply um, Jesus feeding Mary, uh, uh, Mary feeding baby Jesus, I'm sorry. Jesus was born in Palestine, and uh, he was a person of, you know, that lived under occupation. And I just thought that this was was an interesting image. So, anyway, thank you. Let's thank Angie for sharing. You have her experience. Thank you, Angie. Uh, we, uh, I, I think I'd be remiss if I didn't uh, express my appreciation for all the prayers mm-hmm. that were from this church and from uh, this community and from surrounding communities. You know, I never, and I, I voiced this during the trip, I never really felt unsafe. And uh, maybe that was due to the good planning of our EO uh, travel tour group, or maybe it was the leadership of our captain. Uh, but uh, we appreciate uh, Adam for all he did and all the work that he made. And, and, and throughout the trip, I felt pretty safe, except for maybe one or two times. And one was when we came back and went to the bomb shelter. The other uh, was when we were crossing the, the Jordan, crossing over into Jordan. But anyway, it was, a, it was a great experience. I would recommend it. And uh, I don't know who's doing the pictures, but uh, I'm ready for the first one. Yes. This is a mural uh, in a church in uh, Magdala. And it's, of course, uh, uh, Jesus walking on water and, and uh, Peter uh, coming out and for a while walking on water and then uh, lost his uh, faith or his concentration and he started sinking and he was rescued by Jesus. But... This picture is made up of hundreds of thousands of small uh, pieces of, of rock, basically, that are different colored. And if you can look, and you can imagine how, how difficult it would be to get uh, the rocks that would match these particular colors. And uh, to me, it was a very moving uh, picture. And, and there were about six or seven in this particular church of, of, of murals. And uh, that was... Uh, it was just really moving for me. So uh, just imagine how many small pieces of rock that it took to, and the time that it took, and the artisans it took to uh, make this uh, make this mural. And uh, many of the mural uh, uh, people that were doing the murals were actually disabled people, and uh, that's you know that, that they're making a great contribution to the world with this with this mural. Next picture, please. Now, this is the Garden of Gethsemane. Not quite as good as Adam's, but it gives you a feeling for, for being there, and it also has the, the walls of Jerusalem, the old city of Jerusalem in the background. 
And I could, I'm, like Adam said earlier, I, I could not help but think that these same olive trees were, were old enough that Jesus could very well have been praying. And we know how difficult a time this was for him and the, the different prayers that he, the three prayers that he made uh, to God, uh, first asking for the cup to be passed and then uh, then, then the last two accepting his, what, what was the will of God at that time. But it was a really holy experience for me to be there and I uh, just felt a real uh, a closeness mm -hmm. to, to, to the spirit and closeness to, uh, uh, and the feeling of, of what Jesus may have gone through at that time. And the next one, please. Now, this is not a very good picture of uh, Petra, but I was amazed that, that uh, this was a creation uh, primarily made by wind and water running through this area over hundreds of thousands, maybe millions of years. And it was, as Adam pointed out earlier, it was used to, uh, it was used often as a, as a burial site for uh, the leaders and rulers of that area. And it, it seemed that they wanted not so much to have a nice home here on earth, but they wanted to create something special. And they did it with rock. And of course, we, we know uh, what our home is uh, when we pass on. So uh, that, that was some of the things that, that you mentioned to me. Uh, it's hard to describe. Oh, the other thing I'll point out, it was hot. <laughs> we, we, we had a lot of hot weather over there. I was, I was dressed for kind of fall weather, and uh, that was not a good idea. Uh, <laughs> but it was very hot. But you would, you would be traveling along, and it'd just be so, uh, so desolate, uh, desert area. And you'd see these camels or these goats or these sheep with the Bedouin uh, shepherds, and they'd be out there grazing. I don't know what they were eating. It was either sand or rock, it looked like but it was probably dead grass that they were munching on. But, it, it, but anywhere you found water, uh, you, you, it was the green area. And so uh, they kept saying, well, this is the dry season and the, and the rainy season will be in two, a year, a month or so, maybe two months, but, and said these deserts will turn green. But I had a hard time imagining these deserts ever turning very green. Mm -hmm. But that was, that was my experience. Again, uh, I, one other thing I'll say, and then I'll, I'll close. Uh, we were driving along the, the, the bus, and, I, and as children, most of us learned the 23rd Psalm, Yea, do I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Well, we drove through the shadow of death. That is a, uh, the valley of the shadow of death. That is a place. And I always thought it was sort of a metaphor, but it, that is a place. And uh, you could see how if some, uh, someone traveling, one or two travelers in this desolate area, where robbers and thieves were out uh, watching you, how dangerous that could be. So it, it brought a new meaning to that particular song. Let's thank Richard for sharing. Thank you so much to both of you. Appreciate you. All right, there's more to, to come. Uh, I'm going to share about some of my experiences. Uh, I'll show my three pictures next week. Um, and so you can come back and we're, we're hoping to spread this out. So it's not like drinking from a fire hose. Uh, some of the experiences that we had and especially next week, I would just uh, want to talk through how we process uh, what to do with uh, the ongoing reality of violence and war there. 
and what that means uh, for how we should live and what we should do. So I invite you back next week. All right, let's pray together, and then uh, we will um, continue in worship. God, I'm thankful for our time together, and I'm thankful for the ways, the many ways that you speak to us. And I pray that something that we heard today might be um, a part of our own pilgrimage. As we think about the world as it is and the world that you entered uh, and the ongoing realities of our world and, and of our own lives, I pray that we might walk where Jesus walked, meaning that we walk in faith with you in connection with you. And so as we prayed in Israel, we, we pray here that we pray that our experience here would help us grow in our love for you and for one another and for your world. And we pray it in Jesus' name.